0: If you'd like to draw your conversations to a close. If you'd like to um, find the Bible so you'll all be ready. We'll be on in Psalm 1 um, and page 312. Uh, while, you're, while you're finding that, page 312, uh, I'd like to start with a confession. A uh, confession this week is that I ventured into a new world. Um, it's a world that a number of people around the globe have entered into. um, It's the world of Pokemon Go. Um, So if you're not familiar with it, as some of you won't be, um, Pokemon Go, you have a a map like you have on on the left, and then you have a character, and then you have to go around catching Pokemon. Um, Okay, I've confessed, anyone else here entered the world of Pokemon Go? Okay, a few confident. um, who's, Who's caught the most? Level 17. I've caught two. I've caught two. Is that good or not? How many? How many? 79. 79. Can anyone beat 79? <laughs> oh, Tom. A hundred. There are a number of you here feel you're your missing out and uh, will be downloading Pokemon Go to go and catch. How many? Does anyone know how many there are in total? 150. Okay, so if anyone wants any advice or tutelage on this, Tom seems to be the man if you want to get into the world of Pokemon Go. Um, so, it can be dangerous though when you get into this world um, because you forget about the real world around you. Um, he's not here, so I will name and shame Daniel Lawford. Um, he was outside my house and very nearly got run over um, while trying to catch a Pokemon. Um, LAUGHTER You can talk to him about that uh, when you see him next. Um, It's not as bad as uh, this guy in the States who crashed into a tree um, while driving. Um, So they have since issued uh, a statement saying you should not play Pokemon Go while you drive. Um, You would have thought that would have been obvious, but no. Um, There's also reports from San Diego of uh, two guys who fell over a cliff because they were trying to catch Pokemon. Um, And also um, this guy, he was catching Pokemon while his wife was giving birth. <laughs> um, so, sometimes in life, you have to stop and think, um, what am I doing, why am I doing it, is this really important? And over the summer, we're kind of a bit out of routine, there's a, a bit of an opportunity to stop, to rest, to think, and that's what I'd like us to do this morning. There's okay. Just to say there's there's nothing wrong with Pokemon Go. That's absolutely fine. You are released to do that. Uh, But make sure that we see what is the most important things in life. So there's an opportunity to stop, to rest, and to think, how would you describe your life at the moment? How would you describe it? Are you surviving? Are you thriving? Would you say you're you're just getting by, or would you say the life is going really well? So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at, at two image images. The first one is a tree. Um, we're going to be exploring Psalm chapter 1. So this is a picture of, ha- of how life with God is intended to be. We're going to read from Psalm 1 to explore more of this. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Let's pray. Lord, we we thank you for your presence here today. We thank you that we can come confident that you are good, confident that you are present, and confident that you love to speak to us. I pray that we would take this opportunity to stop, to reflect, and look at what you say is really important in life. And so I pray, won't you be speaking to us here today? We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, here in Psalm chapter 1, we have this picture of a tree by a stream. It's a picture of fruitfulness, of stability, of longevity, that whatever may come, whether wind, whether drought, there is strength because it is planted by a stream, it has everything that it needs to continue in life. It's a picture of being blessed and content. I wonder, this morning, is this an accurate picture of of your life? Would you say that you feel blessed and content? Would you say that you are happy and enjoying life with God, the one who made you? Or it may be this morning that you're exploring what life with God is, is all about, wondering, is this right for me or is it something that's irrelevant. It may be this morning that you're angry with God about something or something that's happening in your life. Or it may be that you're feeling that God is, is very distant and maybe doesn't actually really have much relevance to your life at all. So across this room, there'll be people in many different places. And what I'd like us to do as we hold this picture of the tree is to look at a second picture as well. Um, This second picture comes from the New York pastor, Tim Keller, and he gives this picture of a a boat. He says, I often ask Christians to evaluate their situation uh, with regard to prayer and their walk with God by using a metaphor. Imagine that your soul is a boat, a boat with both oars and a sail. So we have the picture of the tree, now we have a picture of a boat with oars and a sail. And there are four states, he says, that you can be in. And so we're just going to go through these four. And as we're going through them, I want to think, where, where am I in this? So the first one that he uh, says is sailing. That's the first situation that you can be. Are you sailing? Sailing means that you are living the Christian life with the wind at your back. God is real to your heart. You often feel his love. You see prayers being answered. When studying the Bible, you regularly see remarkable things and you sense him speaking to you. You sense people around you being influenced by the Spirit through you. So this may be you today. You may be sailing, enjoying life with God. This is a wonderful place to be and something that God has for each one of us, really enjoying life with God. So this could be the first situation that you're in. Secondly, you could be rowing. Tim Keller says this, Are you rowing? Rowing means you are finding prayer and Bible reading to be more a duty than a delight. God often, though not always, seems distant, and the sense of his presence is fairly rare. You don't see many of your prayers being answered. You may be struggling with doubts about God and yourself. Yet despite all this, you refuse self-pity or the self-righteous pride that assumes you know better than God how your life should go. You continue to read the Bible and pray regularly. You attend worship and reach out and serve people despite the inner spiritual dryness. So this situation of rowing, this, this may be you today. This is a hard but nevertheless a positive place to be being real about the challenges that we face, but pressing in to more of God. We don't feel God with us experientially all the time, but we know that we need to press on and live in truth. So you may be sailing, you may be rowing. The third picture that Tim Keller gives is that of drifting. He says, are you drifting? Drifting means that you are experiencing all the conditions of rowing, spiritual dryness and difficulties in life. But in response, instead of rowing, you're letting yourself drift. You don't feel like approaching and obeying God, so you don't pray or read. You give in to the self-centeredness that naturally comes when you feel sorry for yourself and you drift into self-indulgent behaviors to comfort yourself, whether it be escape eating and sleeping, sexual practices or whatever else. So this morning, this may be you. You may be drifting. This is a a dangerous place to be and you become stuck in a negative cycle without regularly inputting truth or reaching out to God. It could be that you are drifting this morning. And then fourthly, he says you could be sinking. Eventually, your boat, your soul will drift away from the shipping lanes, as it were, and truly lose any forward motion in the Christian life. The numbness of heart can become hardness because you give in to thoughts of self-pity and resentment. If some major difficulty or trouble were to come into your life, it would be possible for you to abandon your faith and identity as a Christian altogether. This situation is, is devastating, particularly if you've known real closeness with God. Yet this is a reality in many people's lives, and this may be you today. So I'd like us to pause at this point and reflect. God calls us to life in him, to be like a a tree planted by streams of water. He calls us to vibrancy, sailing with him, in that top left picture. I'd like you to to think, where are you today? For you to honestly assess where you're at. And this isn't a, a competition because we all know as as Christians we should really be in the top left or maybe the top right. And we can often put up that front and think we need to say that we're actually doing okay when it may be you're drifting or even sinking. Because the reality is that in our Christian lives we will experience all four at some stage more than likely. Sometimes in the same week we will experience all four. And the reality is also that if you're not in position one, you can feel like you're failing. You can feel like I should be up there and there can be a sense of of condemnation on you. This isn't true. Our aim is to be sailing, to be enjoying life with God. But rowing is still a positive place to be, just more hard work. And so our purpose today is to put in our hearts a real desire for more to be affirmed that God wants us to know him and to enjoy him, to bring encouragement to those who are sailing this morning, to breathe life into rowers who need to have that strength to keep going, to bring conviction and to display grace for those who may be drifting or sinking. Because the good news, wherever we are in this equation, wherever we are in this picture, we need God's grace. You're never beyond the reach of God's grace, no matter how far we have gone. And we're never beyond the need of God's grace. It's so important that when we're we're sailing, we know it's not because we've got it all together. It's not because we are amazing. It all has to be down to God and enjoying him. So there's an invitation this morning, wherever you are, to press in and enjoy more of God, more of his grace, and to enjoy the God who created you. So we're going to be exploring Psalm 1 to help us in this, to help us hopefully very practically wherever we are in this situation and for us together to be helping one another. So first of all, I'd like us to, to look at um, the truth of knowing where we stand. If we turn back to the Psalm if you look at the title, so this is the very beginning of the book of Psalms, the title of this psalm in the church Bibles is The Way of the Righteous and the Wicked. The Way of the Righteous and the Wicked. And it, seemed, it seems quite stark, doesn't it, these two words, righteous and wicked. And often, I don't know about you, in, in daily life, you wouldn't often go up to someone and say, are you righteous or are you wicked? It doesn't naturally come up in conversation, and I think if someone comes and said that to you, you think, okay, there's something a bit strange going on here. And even when you talk to people, they wouldn't describe themselves as righteous or wicked. Most people you talk to will say, I'm all right. I I don't do too many bad things. I think I'm an okay person. We wouldn't use these terms of righteous or wicked. But verse 6 really gets to the heart. It says, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Or um, as it says <coughs> in Harps Unhung, if you remember we did a series on psalms a while ago, Harps Unhung is a, a reworking of the psalms in, in modern poetry. I think we may have a few left on, on the bookstall. Um, in Harps Unhung, this rewriting of the psalm says, The wicked only flounder, and then they die. But the righteous rest beneath God's watchful eye. The wicked only flounder, then they die, the righteous rest beneath God's <coughs> excuse me, God's watchful eye. So there's a starkness which comes through in, in this title. There's a starkness there in that verse, that there are actually only two ways to live. There are only two ways to live, and we need to choose. With all the talk this morning of sailing or sinking, we actually need to choose to get into the boats in the first place we need to admit that we need rescuing and by ourselves we will drown and this is actually heart the soundtrack of our world the things that come into us is that we're just to go our own way we're to go our own way as long as we don't harm anyone else as long as we uh, don't cause offense to other people then you're absolutely fine Returning to these two words, just as most people wouldn't describe themselves as wicked, not many would say that they are righteous, because we know that we do get things wrong. We mess up. We go our own way. The truth and the reality that we see throughout the pages of Scripture is that there's actually only one good person. There's only one totally righteous person, and that is Jesus. Jesus calls us to relationship with him, but unfortunately, sin and righteousness don't meet. Don't mix. It's like when you have um, two magnets of the same polarity and you try and put them together. They just won't go. They keep pushing apart. It's similar with sin and righteousness. So we can only come based on the righteousness of Jesus. And this is true for every single person. There are no exceptions. We're to turn from rebellion, which in the verses leads us to to destruction, And turn to Jesus to trust in him. And this leads to life. And we are to note this this isn't just about life here and now. Sometimes we can find the winds of life are really difficult. And so the promise here is not that you turn to Jesus and then suddenly the winds die down and everything will all be plain sailing. But we can trust God that he works things out. But actually we're looking at something bigger. We're looking at something eternal. Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 19. says, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are are of all people most to be pitied. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. So the equation is, is not just based on this life, on how things seem to be going for us now. We're to have an eternal picture, one which is much more important than the here and now life of things around us. So it's not just about money or career or family or significance. When we trust in Christ, it leads to an eternal hope, eternal security, freedom and blessing. And this perspective is vital, especially when it feels like you're rowing. When things are hard work, we're to lift our eyes and know that we have an eternal hope in him. So practically, before we, we move on to the next thing we find in the psalm, I want you to think, have you put your trust in Jesus? It may be this morning that you are exploring it and you're not actually sure, have I got into the boat and put your full trust in him? Are you trying to still find your own way? Or it might be this morning that you have, have wandered away, that you have put your trust in Jesus in the past, and you haven't really had him right at the very centre. There's an opportunity, an invitation for you today to put your trust in him. So that's the first thing. We're to know where we stand. Secondly, we're to know that God has good for us. The very first word in this psalm, the very first word in the whole book of 150 psalms is blessed. Blessed. And this is God's purpose for his people to be happy, to be content. We are to appreciate God's goodness and know that he wants us to be blessed, to know him, to enjoy him. And if you are sinking or drifting this morning, this is so important for you to get hold of. He wants the very best for you. Often we can get disillusioned or disheartened, thinking that actually God really doesn't have the best for me. He wants to make my life a misery. It's important for us to hold on to this truth that God has the best for us. Jesus says this in Matthew chapter 7, Which one of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give good things to those who ask him? Jesus is saying, earthy fathers. We know how to give good gifts to our children. It's, it's comical what what he is examples here. <clears throat> if your child asks for a fish, who will give him a snake? I mean, we have a fairly strict no pets poli- policy um, in our household. We do have fish in the garden, which is absolutely fine. Um, if our kids come and ask for a fish, we're not going to say, yes, you can have a f- a fish and then give them a, a snake. Or if they ask for bread or um, some food, we're not just going to give them a rock or a stone and say, do on that? We know how to give good things. And so how much more does God who is perfect know how to give good things to us? He wants good things for you. For me to ask this morning, do you believe this? Do you believe that God is good? Do you believe that God has good in store for you. We have real confidence of God's goodness, even when we find it hard. We can look to the work of Jesus. God gave his only son to die on a cross. How will he not give us every good thing? We have such confidence in this. And so it's important for us to lean on this truth. This is important for us in every stage for enjoying God while we're sailing, while we are enjoying that momentum. It's important when we're in the midst of rowing, because then if not, we will begin to sink. We need to know that God has good for us. Number three, I've got six in total, so we're about halfway through. Um, Thirdly, we need to know the right way to walk. Again, verse 1, Blessed is the man or the one who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So we see there we need to know the right way to walk. God has good for us, but it's really easy for us to be sidetracked, even when we do have the best intentions. There are so many influences that can press in on us. Refer to here as sinners and scoffers. This can come from people at work, people at school, can come from family members, come from the songs we listen to, from the media, from film, from T V programmes that we're watching. It can be anything that will distract us from following God. If we want to know and enjoy God, we need to watch for those other things that can easily take root in our lives. Earlier we heard from Tim Kelly saying, we can drift into self-indulgent behaviours to comfort yourself, whether it be escape eating and sleeping, sexual practices, or whatever else. So to help us stay in the right place, we need to watch out for the distractions that may come. It's like if you're trying to eat healthily, and uh, you know there's chocolate fudge cake in the fridge. Um, it's one of Tom's favourite in the world, one of his favorite puddings, chocolate fudge cake, so it's an exciting day when it is there. But imagine you're trying to eat healthily and you walk past, say, telling yourself that you're going to go and get an apple from the fruit bowl, which just means you have to walk past the fridge. If you're in this situation, verse 1 could read like this, Blessed is the man who walks not close to the fridge door for no apparent reason, nor stands with the fridge door open gazing at the chocolate cake, nor sits by the fridge, eating the cake until it is all gone. We can choose where we walk, where we stand, where we sit. In this instance, the the problem came not with the the first bite of the cake, not when we sat down to, to finish it all. The problem came actually when walking too close to the fridge and lingering there in the first place. That's where the real problem came so one of the, real re- one of the reasons you may be drifting or sinking today is because of sin that has not been dealt with. may maybe you need to confess this today and say, actually, I know this is not right. We're to know that there's free forgiveness for all who call on the name of Jesus. There's nothing too small or too big that we can't bring it to him and God wants us to know that we can walk without condemnation, without fear. We can walk with joy. And it may be that you need to, to deal with something this morning. We'd love to have opportunity to pray with you or for you to find someone that you feel comfortable with to, to confess and work this through. Temptations can distract us, but so can the voices of others. This is an account of, of two people trying to reach Jesus this is in Matthew chapter 20, starting at verse 30. It says, And behold, there were two blind men sitting by the roadside. And when they heard that Jesus was passing by, they cried out, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. The crowd rebuked them, telling them to be silent. But they cried out all the more, Lord, have mercy on us, son of David. And stopping, Jesus called them and said, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Lord, let our eyes be opened. And Jesus, in pity, touched their eyes, and immediately they recovered their sight and fired him. It would have been so easy for these two men to listen to the crowd. It's so easy for us to do that. They were telling him, God's not interested in you. You need to sit down, you need to stay and be quiet. He's not interested. He's too busy. He's not powerful enough these things can impact us as well. We need to think, who are we listening to? What is shaping our minds? We're not saying here that we should cut ourselves off. If you're a Christian here, you should only talk to Christians. You should only read Christian books. You should only listen to Christian radio stations. That is not what we're saying here. It's vitally important that we are fully engaged in the world, in the culture, building friendships, living out our lives for Jesus amongst those who don't know him. But we do need to be aware of what is going into our minds and making sure that we are putting enough truth in, that we're having enough good influence into us so we may live vibrantly amongst those who don't know Jesus. Also, it's so important that we need to be aware of temptation of where we may drift, things that may be difficult for us. So, do you know where you are likely to be tempted it could be a, a particular sin. It could be an influence of something or someone else that isn't helping. What can you put in place to help? And it's important in, in this, sometimes um, with sin, with things that are, we need to deal with, sometimes we can get very legalistic. And so, for instance, <coughs> you could be um, on that healthy eating kick and think, I'm not going to go near the chocolate cake. And you can spend your whole life thinking about not eating the chocolate cake. Actually, the most important thing will be concentrating on living well and not thinking about the chocolate cake. And so for us, the most important thing is to be focusing on enjoying God, enjoying His goodness, enjoying all the blessings that He gives, not focusing on things that we know we shouldn't be doing. We can say no to some things because we've said yes to something greater and much, much better. Okay, that's number three. Number four Know the truth. Know the truth. We uh, uh, read that earlier. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. I wonder here this morning what you may be delighting in. There may be something that you're particular that you really look forward to. For me, a few weeks ago, I discovered um, Purbeck ice cream and the salted caramel flavor. Has anyone tried that? Yes, it has to be Perbeck ice cream, that's important. It's not any of the other inferior brands. We discovered we're out uh, walking on, on Worth and there's a square and compass which has a wide menu of um, vegetable pasty or steak pasty, um, and that's it. Um, and then you can have uh, this Purbeck ice cream. So we went there and discovered it. And then a few weeks later on, we decided to go for a walk. We thought, ah we can go for a walk near Worthma Travers, and we can go to the Square and Compass, and we can have salted caramel ice cream, Purbeck ice cream. When you delight in something, it changes your actions. You think, I'm going to go there. Um, we were out in Westbourne the other week, and we started walking around looking for places that would sell Purbeck ice cream. There was, I don't know, there were six of us walking around trying to find it. When you delight in something, it changes your actions, it changes your thoughts. You are devoted to it the good news for us is that we can delight in something much greater and something much better for you as well we can delight in god's truth we don't need to go trekking across the perbex the real privilege is that we have free access to god's truth actually the real excitement for me is i discovered they sell it at the chip shop down the road as well <laughs> <coughs> so there's now a a different temptation for me, that I don't have to go trekking across the Furbex. So I can just um, walk to the chip shop, chip shop, and get sort of caramel ice cream. Um, we don't need to walk miles. We are so fortunate that we can pick up uh, a Bible and read God's truth. And in fact, if you don't have a Bible here, you're welcome to take one of these church Bibles um, and and read. Um, they, they're here for you. We're so excited that we can read truth in in the Bible. We can get downloaded to your phone. It's, we live in a privileged age where we can have free access to the truth of God. It's so important that we don't take this for granted. It, it is a bit like knowing that the ice cream is just down the road. It, it loses its appeal slightly because it's, it's freely accessible. But it's not to be like that with the Word. We are to be growing in it and to be enjoying it, delighting in it daily. We're to be meditating and praying. Colossians 3 verse 16 says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. It's like with meat, letting it, it marinate, it soak, not just a, a dousing with, with, with sauce, but something that, that really soaks through and permeates throughout. We're to be delighting in God's word, knowing it has truth to transform our lives. Again, this is especially important when you're rowing and don't feel like God is anywhere near you or when you're sinking and think, God can't possibly know where I am or care about me. We're to hold on to truths knowing that God is sovereign, knowing that God provides. And we're to put ourselves in a position to receive grace, to choose to get back into the shipping lane and receive truth. So, practically this morning, how do you regularly get truth into you? You have a Bible. Sometimes it can be quite daunting to know where to start or or where to begin. If that's you, we've got a number of Get Started daily booklets, which are on the Connect desk at the back. You can take one of those. And it just helps you to get into the habit of looking at a portion of Scripture and, and then applying it to your life. So you can do that. There are loads of excellent apps for your phone that you can Download and use the Bible notes to help you. The most important thing is is to read. It could be read a psalm and read a chapter of another book of the Bible and ask God to speak. We do have uh, a number of books on the bookshelf which will help you. But actually, I think the most important thing is to read God's Word uh, and allow it to impact you, to, to say, God, won't you let this truth impact me? And sometimes we can be confused by things that we don't understand, which is natural. There are things that we can learn and grow in, particularly as uh, the the Bible was was written into a context uh, a number of years ago. But the truth is always relevant. The truth is always powerful. And we're to focus on what we do understand and is clear to us. And we can work together to work out how we can understand more of this truth. This is so vital for us, for, to, to know <clears throat> the truth. Fifthly, fifth out of six, know the power of God. The image that we've been looking at is of a sailing boat, but also of a tree. The image in, in verse three is of a tree planted by streams of water. Because God wants us to know that in him we have everything we need, and it will never run out. Throughout the, um, throughout the scripture, the spirit is referred to a number of ways, whether it be wind, fire, or water. And we're to know that without water, the tree dies. For us, unless we live in the power of the spirit, we will very easily drift and sink. We are to have this conscious full dependence on God and on his power. If you've done any sailing at all, no idea what that was. If you've done any sailing at all, you'll know you can't direct the wind. Sometimes you can be sat there, there's no wind at all. You can have your your sails all, I don't know what the correct term, Becky, what's the correct term for having your sails all in the right places? You can have your sails sheeted correctly, um, but if there's no wind, you're not going to be going anywhere. You can't make the wind start or stop. You can only put yourself in a position to be carried along by it. And so we're to come with, with expectation and with trust, knowing that God moves. And when God moves by his Spirit, he brings change in character. The fruits of the Spirit mentions in Galatians 5. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. God moves and changes us from the inside out. He brings gift gifts. Like the gift of healing we saw earlier, Jesus healing two blind men that were calling out to him. It brings gift of the prophetic, God speaking into our very situations. God brings power to live. He brings power to witness, which notice the difference on Jesus' disciples after Jesus' death. They went from a band of scared individuals to a band of brothers confidently proclaiming the good news of Jesus amidst hardship. Hostility, seeing thousands respond and people dramatically healed and churches established far and wide. This is only possible in the power of God, in the power of the Spirit. And we're to live in this same power today. Because God didn't design us to live in our own strength. But the reality is, without God's hand sustaining us, everything would stop. He sustains us, God is at work in us in each and every moment. We can only confess Jesus is Lord by a work of the Spirit. Why would we then say, thanks, I'll take it from here. I'll live in my own strength. I'll do it my way. Paul, in Galatians chapter 3, tells the the church in Galatia, you've begun in the Spirit, now you should continue in it. Don't rely on yourselves. Jesus says in John 15, to remain in the vine. If we try and go alone, we won't be sailing. We'll start to drift or sink. We have the full resources of heaven. Why wouldn't we seek to embrace it in its totality? And so for for this one, I'd love to ask, have you been filled with the power of the Holy Spirit? may have been a long time ago. Have you been filled recently? Because there is so much that God has for us, and he doesn't want us to live on our own. He wants to go in his power. And then finally, this morning, we're to know the importance of church. Verse 5 speaks of the congregation of the righteous. And being a Christian is not a solo sport, he places us in a family together with Jesus right at the very center. God has chosen for himself a people, not a, a group of individuals. He's chosen a people together, all coming with the same foundation that we are righteous. By God's grace. So we're to constantly live in this truth. No one is more righteous. Each one is a sinner saved by grace. And He's placed us together for encouragement, for support, for serving, for mission, and much more. I don't want us to be a church that drifts, but rather press into the vibrant life that God has for us. And we need to press into this together. So the church is to be a place of accountability where we can honestly say, yes, I am sinking. Yes, I'm drinking. Uh, drinking? Yes, I'm drifting. <laughs> can be drinking as well. Um, it's not a place where we can say, this is exactly where I am. There's not a place of condemnation, but a, a place where we can point to the grace of God and that we can move on together more into living a life which is in line with this gospel truth. So practically, are you committed you committed? We'd love you to be committed to the, the church here, um, but that it may not be right. There are loads of other good churches in the area. It's important that you are committed somewhere, or maybe you are, you are visiting. Are you committed to a church somewhere? Are you part of, of church life, of all that's going on? You think, yes, I'm going to make a priority to come as we pray together on Wednesday. It's so valuable to, to build relationship together, and not just people that we always talk to but get to know people of different ages and stages. So press into church life, and importantly, do you have someone who you're accountable with? There are a number of things that have, have come up this morning. I encourage you to think, ideally before the end of today, who can you say, this is where I'm at, honestly. This is honestly where I'm at. This is where things are going well, but this is where I really need help, and for you to pray with me and to help me in this. So, just as we draw to a close, we've been exploring these two images, the image of a boat. Tim Keller says this, in this metaphor, we see that there are some things we are responsible for, such as using the means of grace, the Bible, prayer, and church participation in a disciplined way. There are many other things we do not have much control over, such as how well the circumstances in our lives are going, as well as our emotions if you pray, worship, and obey, despite negative circumstances and feelings, you won't be drifting. And when the winds come up again, you will, be, you will move ahead swiftly. On the other hand, if you do not apply these means of grace, you'll be at best drifting. And if the storms come into your life, you might be in danger of sinking. So the image of a boat. Also the image of a tree, God's purpose for us to be planted by streams of living water. Phil Moore, in one of his commentaries, says this If you are planted in the right place, we can deepen relationship with God and drink from the non stop blessing which flows from his throne. We can drink from the non stop blessing which flows from his throne. Are we planted in the right place? God has great purposes for us. And there may be areas where you need to respond this morning. So I'm just going to go through them quickly and think yes, I need to respond there and i encourage you we'll have a moment to pray but also importantly i'd encourage you to talk about it with someone else as well who you know and trust so firstly do you know we're to know where we stand <clears throat> so the question here is have you put your trust in jesus secondly we're to know that god has good for us and the question is do you know do you see god as a good perfect father who has the best for us Thirdly, we're to know the right way to walk. And the question, do you know where you're likely to be tempted? What can you put in place to help? Thirdly, uh, fourthly, know the truth. Are you regularly spending time in God's word and in prayer? Number five, know the power of God. Have you been filled with the Spirit? Do you go on in the Spirit's power? And number six, know the importance of church. Are you committed to church and community life? I love us to to pray, so can I invite you to stand you guys uh, can I come back back up we 'll worship in a moment. There are a number of, of practical responses, and um, the one thing I would love for us to do now is for us to to wait on the power of the Spirit and to allow God to do a work in, in our hearts. He, he loves us and he wants us to know him, to encounter him. We, it's so important for us to dig into truth, but particularly as we gather together, there's a real opportunity for us to enjoy his presence. So I'd love us just to, to close our eyes. Uh, if you want to raise your hands, you can. as a sign of being open to, to God and what he would do. And we pray, Holy Spirit, when you come on us, today. We thank you that your purpose is to bless. I thank you that you are here for good. And I pray now that you would, you would come. Holy Spirit, that you would, you would fill us. I pray that you would speak into the situations where we are and that you would draw us on. Lord, I thank you that your grace is sufficient for whichever situation we are in and that you have more for us to enjoy of you. So we pray, Holy Spirit, come. Let's just I, just, just, speak in your heart to God and say, this is where I am. This is why I am. When you come and meet me in this place, come, Lord, come, Holy Spirit. We've got time to respond. So let's just see what God would do amongst us. Phil's going to lead us in song. Um, We've got 10 minutes or so. So um, we have communion. This is uh, a place where we can come and rest on that truth that Jesus gave his life for us. And that he has good for us. So over the next 10 minutes, come and whenever you're ready, come and take bread and wine. It may be an opportunity for you here to say, yes, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus to know where where we stand. If you're doing that for the, the first time or maybe a, a recommitment, we'd love to pray with you as well. We'll also have people ready, willing to, to pray. Maybe some something that's come up that you think I need to to do something about this I need to talk to someone I don't know who to talk to we'd love to to pray with you in this as well so Lord we, we thank you for your abundant grace here today I pray that we would grab hold of all that you have for us Lord I thank you that your purpose is for good your purpose is for us to be knowing life and vibrancy in you And I pray you come now as we respond, as we give our our hearts to you. Lord, be a work in us, we pray. Amen.